welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. On February 16th, 2021, okay, 2021, just last year, February 16th, my brother's birthday, in Alberta, Canada, Pastor James Coates turned himself into the police. James was a graduate from the Master's Seminary, the same school that Pastor John graduated from, and my father as well. They didn't go to school at the same time, but similar friend groups and same kind of sphere of influence. Pastor James was a faithful minister of the gospel who was being arrested. The police showed up at his house and in front of his wife and his four, I believe, four kids, all about Sierra, picture Sierra and Boaz, ages three, four, to infants. He has one of his infants in his, in his arms and they're just... Weeping and wailing and bawling and his daughter is clinging to his leg saying, don't go, daddy. Please don't go, daddy. As the Alberta police are arresting this pastor for the heinous and horrific crime of gathering his church on a Sunday. He broke their COVID restrictions. And he would go and be put in this faithful pastor who's obeying God and his word over the almighty, all-powerful, and holy Alberta health officials. He's choosing to worship the one true in God. And, and in the video, it's just heartbreaking as you see his kids weeping and wailing as he is willingly goes into the police car and is taken off to be quarantined in prison no access to his family no access to his church nothing this dude is a man like he is a man of god like (laughs) i love it he willingly goes confidently and calmly and his wife what a stud i mean she is awesome too she is now imagine being in that church your pastor was just taken off into prison You have heard nothing from them. You're sitting in the pew and your hearts are anxious. Like, is this going to happen to us? We're still going to obey the Lord. We're going to meet. Christ is the head of the church, not the government. God's word gets to tell me when I get to worship, how many people get to worship. That's the whole church. And so we're submitting, but I'm anxious that the same thing is going to happen to me. Imagine you being in that church. You're discouraged. Your lead pastor is gone. How many more are they going to go after? Your church is facing fines. How are we going to pay for this? You're asking, is he okay? Is, are they feeding him in there? Are they beating him? I don't know. No one knows. You're discouraged. You're scared. And so one of the elders comes up, and there's a video of this. It's awesome. And he says, this morning, I received a letter from Pastor James, and I want to read it to you. 
And he opens it up and the church, you could hear them start to applaud and get excited. And I love the, how he opens it up and he reads it and he says, and this is the letter. To the church and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is at Grace Life Church. Grace to you and peace in the beloved. Blessed be, he's worshiping God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has created us worthy to be greatly used in this time of tribulation. Out of the super abundance of God's grace, he has set us, the church, apart for this purpose. We have not only been gifted grace to deliver, to be delivered in Christ, but also we've received the gift to suffer for the sake of his headship over the church, a headship which is inseparable from the gospel. That's just the very beginning. My dude, this is awesome. And you should just hear the church. They're so encouraged then to hear their pastor's letter. Well, the book of Ephesians is written by someone who is in prison. Paul is imprisoned. In, not in Ephesus, but he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's in prison for similar reasons why Pastor James Coates was. He was Paul was in prison, not for violating COVID restriction laws, but for violating the Roman restrictions of preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and not Caesar. So the Roman government said that you could believe and worship whatever you want. You just have to confess that Caesar is God. But the Christians are like, no, we worship one true God. That's Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Caesar. And so Paul is put in prison for not following their restrictions. And it's important to know that Paul, who Paul is. Paul used to be, he, he used to be the one that imprisoned Christians. He used to be the one that killed Christians who witnessed against Christians. He was part of the Jewish police and he was also a Pharisee and was trained under one of the greatest Jewish theologians of all time, Gamil. I'm pretty sure that's his name. I may be saying it wrong. And he was a prosecutor and persecutor of the church until the head of the church, Jesus Christ, flattened him on the road to Damascus and arrested him with his grace and called him and chose him to be a servant of Christ to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And now he's writing this letter in about 8060 to a church in Ephesus. And it's important for you to understand the background, the culture of, of the Ephesian church. Ephesus was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. It had around 250,000 people living in it. So if you take... Roscoe, Rockford, Loves Park, McChesney Park. That's around 300,000 people, roughly that size, that amount of people, except Ephesus was a, located on the coast. So it was a big trading town and one of the most prosperous Roman cities. Uh, it, it, it prospered greatly. They had tons of arenas, some seated, seating more than 20,000 people, these stadiums and these theaters and gymnasiums and you could actually go there now this is in modern day turkey um and they also had the famous great temple to artemis okay so this church in ephesus the culture is very materialistic it's very wealthy okay and it's filled with the occult many different religious beliefs but mainly centered around diana all right, the goddess Diana or Artemis. Ephesus uh, also had other, uh, they, they worshiped the emperor, 
They practiced Gnosticism, which was this idea of having secret knowledge. And they would try to enter into a kind of existentialism to find the secret knowledge through potions, through magic. They were really into magic. Acts 19, uh, uh, Paul, actually, that's kind of the backstory of when Ephesus, the church of Ephesus was started. Um, they're burning all their books on magic and astrology because that's what they practiced um, when they repented and believed the gospel. But the main thing is this worship of Artemis. And why was this, they had the, one of the biggest temples dedicated to this goddess. And you're like, why was she so popular? Until you realize what she was and what she represented. Artemis was the goddess of fertility. And if you look at the statue today, which you can go and do, um, I was going to pull one up, but it'd be kind of weird. She's pretty much covered with male and female genitalia. What are they worshiping? They're worshiping sex and uh, sexual freedom of sexual expression, right? Um, They had cult prostitutes that you could access wherever and whenever in Ephesus. It's a very affluent, uh, diverse city. And they would worship Artemis. They would uh, sacrifice animals to her. They would have these little shrines. And in fact, the gospel spread so much in Ephesus when Paul was there that the guys that used to make the little idols were running out of business. That's Acts 19. So they started a riot. It's pretty awesome. Not the riot, but the fact that they had to do that anyways. uh, (laughs) It was a peaceful protest, right? And so uh, they dragged Christians out and they beat them in front of everyone. And... Uh, but they had these shrines that you would keep in your house of the, the sex goddess that you would worship to and pray to. You'd probably keep little figurines in, in your pockets with you. This, is, this was their culture. This is what people were saved out of. This, and the people that were saved out of this is who Paul is writing to. So when you think about it, the problems in ancient Ephesus are not much different from our modern culture, are they not? Do we not worship sex, the freedom of sexual expression and sexual identity? uh, The culture in Ephesus was very tolerant of any worship except for the worship that said that you must only worship the one true in God, true living God and not Caesar. They're tolerant of everything except for Christians. Christians are the minority, right? They're the cultural minority, the moral minority there as well. It's a very materialistic society. Do we not live in a materialistic society? America is the most wealthy. We're the 1%. Even the poorest people here are the 1% considered globally. We have more money here. And even the poorest of the poor in in America make more than the majority of, of people in the world. So there's a lot of overlap here with our times. And so like the church in Ephesus... It's we, we, Redeemer students and Redeemer churches, made up of people who were saved out of the occult, saved out of sexual immorality, saved out of materialism, and now they're feeling suffocated by the culture. The world is suffocating them, saying, you must conform, and perhaps you feel that too. It's hard to be a Christian today, is it not? It's temptation all around. And so... What I'm trying to see is this, this letter written 2,000 years ago is just as relevant for us today. It really is. And what do we need in the midst of dark t- these dark times? You know what we need when we feel suffocated by this world? We need to be assured 
and encouraged. <laughs> we need grace. And that's what the title of my sermon is, is Grace to You. And we're going to see this grace to us in the first two verses. That's all we're looking at tonight. Okay, so let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I recognize that the greetings and the letters are probably the things that you just speed right over. Like in your reading, like, okay, it's just the greeting, but there's so much here. There's so much here that we need Paul, this greeting, just like the greeting of James Coates and his letter was reassuring to the church. It it gave them confidence. And that's exactly what this greeting is doing. They're hearing from their church planner who's been in prison. They finally hear from him. And so there's three ways that this greeting assures us today and assures the church And the first thing is that we are assured by our foundation, assured by the word and the will of God. I don't know if I have the points up there, but first we, Paul writing the greeting assures us of our foundation, of our foundation. And that's what we get in the first sentence, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What's there? What is the foundation? Is that there? A reassuring greeting. That's right. Yep. Assured by our foundation. And so let's look at this. We already know who Paul is. But what is an apostle? What is an apostle? Strictly speaking, an apostle is someone who is sent out. It means sent one. Someone that is a messenger sent directly from Christ with a message or sent by Christ with a message from Christ. An apostle is an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you might run into some people today that, that claim to be an apostle. I've met people like this. They go to an apostolic church and their pastor is an apostle is what they call them. But you should say, you could ask him, how is it that you became an apostle? Because biblically speaking, an apostle is someone who was an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has a message sent from Jesus to deliver to his church. And so, in other words, what Paul is saying here is, I am speaking on behalf of Jesus Christ. That's what this greeting is teaching the Ephesian church. That these are not the words of Paul. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Therefore, listen. And in fact, I'm not just a a self-appointed apostle. I didn't earn my apostleship. What does it say? How how did he become an apostle? By the will of God. God. That's right. And what is the will of God? It's God's determining choice. It's its free choice. Paul was chosen by God, not only chosen by grace, but chosen by God to deliver a message to the church, to us. But the main thing here, what's, what's crazy is that these aren't human words. Think about it this way. When I was young, my sister, younger sister, just loved to boss me around. She just loved it. She would give me commands, thousands of commands every single day. And I had the joy of never listening to her. It was awesome. I never, and and it would, you know, it's part of my own sin. No, I'm the older brother. Who makes you an authority, right? By what standard of authority should I listen to you, oh, younger sister, you know? 
until I'm playing outside and she comes with a skip in her step and says, thus says the father, you must come inside and clean your room. Dad wants you to come inside and clean your room. Okay. There's more weight there, right? Why? Because she is a sent one. She has seen the father, John Stead, has received a message directly from John Stead to me. And if I don't listen, there's consequences. And so therefore I must obey. And so what Paul is saying, when he says, I am an apostle, what you should be reading is this. Jesus is speaking to me. These are Jesus's words that I'm about to write to you. The Ephesian letter is not a letter from Paul. People say, I don't, I don't really follow Pauline theology. I just follow Jesus's words. You know, red letter, letter Bible. Let's just be correct. Every single, every single letter in the Bible is Jesus's words. That's what we confess. The word of God is inspired. Think of, or look at this verse. 2, 2 Peter 1.20 says this. Knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so what that's saying is, yes, the Bible is written by humans, but it's God who is the author. He is inspi- he's inspired the word. And what that means is that it's God breathed. He is the origin and so what is, how is Paul assuring the church? He's saying, I'm delivering you the very words of Christ by the will of Christ. Therefore, be encouraged. Jesus is speaking to you in your discouragement now. We hold to the dual authorship of the scriptures and the divine author always takes precedent. Always. It's Jesus who's writing to you right now. The Bible is God's revealed grace to you. And so here's the application. Students, do you realize what you have in your hands now, in your laps, at home? You have the very words of King Jesus to you. Your dear Savior, He is the Word made flesh. For God has spoken through various ways, through prophets, but now in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, Hebrews 1.3. You're the very words of Jesus. And so have you received his word into your heart? This should cause you to, to revere the word of God, to tremble before it, to find it pleasant and sweet. It's not like the words of God at Mount Sinai where the people trembled in fear. Like, I don't want to hear God's words, but Jesus' words, they are so sweet to us. I have a short video for you of an underground church in China receiving Bibles. I just want want you to watch how they respond to it. And I want you to ask the question, is this my response to the word of God? Do we have that video around?
in tears. They're so thankful. They run to the bag. They pick it up. They see Bibles. And I got 10 of them in my office. 10. Is that my... 4.30, my alarm goes off. Is that what I'm doing? Running to the Word? That's what we have. We're so affluent. We have so much that we forget. And we need to be reminded. And I love on Twitter, I saw that video. And the guy, all he said is, he said, Christians, read your Bible today. To find it so sweet that you have the... That's what Paul is trying to communicate. These are the words of Christ, not the words of mere man. And let that bring you confidence as you live for him in this life. Let that assure you. We have a sure foundation, the word of God and the will of God. Okay, and the second thing that we see in this text is that Paul assures us in our new identity. He, so we see the messenger, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And now we see the recipients to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And I want to focus in on the word saints who are faithful. Who is, Je- who is Jesus writing to? <laughs> who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the saints who are believers in Ephesus. That's the literal translation. And so what does the word saint means? What does it mean? Paul is applying an Old Testament word that God, Yahweh, used to give, or or that Yahweh gave the title to his people Israel. They were called saints. It means holy one. That's what it literally means. To the holy ones who are in Ephesus. To the ones set apart in Ephesus. To the ones who are consecrated in Ephesus. That's what it means. He's writing to those who are Holy ones who have been made holy. How? In Christ Jesus. Okay? So these are believers that he's writing to. And some of you, you know what this language means. You know what it, something, what it means for something to be set apart. How many of you have parents who have, I know many of you have parents, uh, who have fine china dishware in your house? Anyone? No one? Okay, some of you, who has China, you know what China is, right? Not the country, but everyone, does anyone know what fine China dishes are? Okay, my mom had these dishes. They're very special. They were gifted at, it's such a waste of a wedding gift, by the way. But, but, but there were these dishes that would not be used for every day. You would only use them on special occasions, They were consecrated. They were not in the same shelves as the bowls that I would eat my cereal with and stuff, right? They were set apart for special use. And that's exactly what the word, what it means to be a saint. That if you're a Christian, you have been, God's love has been set upon you and then you have been set apart, consecrated for God's special use, right? There's something fundamentally different between you and those who are lost. You are a holy one. You, and the word saint also comes from the word to be cleansed. You've been washed. You've been cleansed inwardly from the inward pollution that defiled you. And how did this come about? In Christ Jesus. It's one sentence. To the holy ones who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And then the second word, faithful. Faithful means to those who are exercising faith. They are the faithful f- 
few. It's kind of like those Bears fans, okay, or sports fans. The faithful few that will be a fan even when the team is absolutely terrible, right? What's a bandwagon? I'm not saying the Bears are terrible this year. We'll see, right? But there's been seasons where there are faithful fans through thick and thin, right? I'm a USC fan. The last 10 years have been really dismal, and now we are one of the best teams, right, Josh? Yeah, so... Uh, anyways, but I was faithfully, I, w- I was exercising faith in my team through those terrible dark years, right? And in the same way, Paul is writing, he's saying to you who are the holy ones and who are the faithful few, you who believe in Christ Jesus. And in this sentence, he is explaining the whole book of Ephesians because chapters one through three are all about how we become saints, And chapters 4 through 6 are how we endure and are faithful to the Lord. Are you, and this is a new identity. If you are a Christian, you are a believing saint. Is that how you identify yourself? He doesn't say to the Jews who are in Ephesus or to the Greeks who are in Ephesus. He doesn't identify them by their ethnicity. He doesn't say to the men who are in Ephesus or to the women who are, he doesn't identify them by their gender or their sex, I should say. He doesn't say to the saints who are wealthy in Ephesus. He doesn't identify them by their wealth. He identifies them by who they are in Christ Jesus, that through Christ, we are made holy. We are made saints. We go from sinners to saints and we believe in Jesus Christ and he, he enables us to live faithfully for him. So Jesus is writing these words to those whom he has saved. That's essentially what's happening here. John Calvin says this, no one is a believer who is not holy and no one is holy who is not a believer. They both go together. So to be a Christian is to be a holy one, to be faithful, a believer. And what's the application here, student? Do you recognize your identity as being found in Christ Jesus or in something that you do? What defines you? According to Jesus, who's writing this letter to the church, he defines them by who they are in Christ. Saints, faithful. When your parents look at you and you you call yourself a Christian, you profess that. Is there something that's qualitatively different than the world in you? Do you look like the world or are, do you look like the fine China who's been set apart, right? Used for God's glory. There is a transformative effect that takes place in the gospel. You're no longer defined by your sin. You've been washed. You've been set apart by God's grace. This is grace to you. And so we've been assured by our sure foundation. That is the word and the will of God. By, we've been assured by a new identity. We're saints, no longer sinners, but saints who are faithful. And lastly, we're assured by the message. Assured by the message. Verse 2, what is the message? Grace to you and peace. From man? No. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Assured by the message. In other words, church, remember the message that you hold to, that you believe. And so, questions for you. I don't know where any of you are at right now. 
I don't know what baggage you brought into this room. We all bring it. I don't know if this week has been filled with a lot of hardships. Perhaps coming here was a test of faith because you know that you'd be confronted with sin that you've been struggling with. Ongoing sin that you've been dealing with. Secret sins that have been swallowing you up that no one knows about. Shame from past sins. Maybe you're, uh, yeah, a Christian stuck in the rut and you want out. Or maybe you just come feeling overwhelmed by the world, being tempted and seduced by everything and everyone. Having idols in your present life. If that is you tonight, I have good news from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ to you. And that is grace and peace. What is grace? What is this good news of grace to you? Grace means goodwill or favor from God. It is unmerited favor given to you, something that you do not deserve, something you did not earn. And this word grace always has to do with forgiveness, with debt that has been covered, not on the basis of your good works, but on the basis of God's free grace and love for you. And that's the message of Christianity. That's the message of Jesus. He's so sweet. I love that. He's so sweet to us. I have grace to you. In fact, it's not just a message of good news, but I am the good news, he says. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared. And who is that grace? It is Jesus bringing salvation for all people. So all of you have access to this grace if you receive it by faith. It's yours. Tonight. You want forgiveness for your sins? You want to become a saint? You don't want to be washed? You have, you have grace in Christ Jesus to you, freely given from who? What does it say in the text? From God our Father. God our Father. And when you receive the grace of Jesus, you receive a new family. You're adopted. And God is no longer a judge, but a father. You have a good father in heaven. Who not only gives us grace, but what's the second word? Grace and peace. And this also summarizes Ephesians. Chapters 1 through 3, all about grace. Chapters 4 through 6, all about peace with one another. And peace is being reconciled to God. You were once enemies, but now you've been brought near. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus, is our peace. So here's what's crazy. I love this. Jesus has a message for you. And that message is that you can become saints and faithful by trusting in the message of Jesus for sinners. He is our grace. He is the peace of the world. And this is the message for discouraged Christians. Remember who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. Grace and peace. And notice the results. I love that. You're given a new family. You're children of God. And Jesus becomes your great savior. He's your Lord, your master, but also your friend. And this is the meaning of grace to you this morning. This is the greeting. Two verses, all of that there. This is the message that Jesus Jesus Christ is writing to you. And that in Christ Jesus, he makes sinners into saints 
by, by, the, by those who are, by virtue of trusting in the message of grace and peace given in Christ Jesus. Jesus became our peace on the cross. Romans 5, why don't we end with this? Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I want to hear the Bibles. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And I want you to notice this grace and peace in this text. Romans 5.1. I leave you with this. This is the message. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace, peace and grace, in which we stand and in which we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Student, may you rejoice at the words of Christ to you. He, Jesus comes and he greets you. He says, Jesus, or Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the saints who are at Redeemer Church, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message. Trust in him. Let's pray.